Hello and welcome to The Lowdown from Pickletown, presented by Pizza Hut. I'm your host, Aidan Gilbride. Here's the deal. And welcome back to another edition of The Lowdown from Pickletown. Today I'm joined alongside the lead anchor of the Trojan Sports Network, Alex Hayden. Alex, this is what um, there's two episodes that I was really excited to do, and uh, the first one was uh, the previous episode with Shane Obey and you, because you're two of the people that have really, really been so supportive of my entire time. Uh, you know, kind of starting out with the athletics communication here and how, where we are now as I'm about to graduate. So I'm so excited to just sit there and, and talk to you because. Your career fascinates me, honestly, Alex, and and we'll we'll just kind of dive right into it. You know, a recent story. Uh, we don't. Uh, there was also a recent story about you on the Trojans website, and it descri- you were described as a sportsaholic. Would you would you say that's a fair assumption? Very fair. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, secondly, I'm a huge fan of you, and I have been since I met you. Uh, but anyway, I'm flattered, I, and I believe I believe in you, and I've told you that for for years. But no, yeah, I'm a sportsaholic, and and I guess the best way to, to describe that is is any kind of athletic competition. I'm interested in, and that doesn't mean it's going to hold my interest for an hour or two or three hours, Uh, but I'm very much interested in in athletics and competition. To see extraordinary things take place by ordinary individuals is is something that fascinates me because everybody's got a talent. Uh, There are athletes out there that can do things that the majority of uh, people can't do. Myself included, I, you know, I was a, an athlete, a three-sport athlete in high school, but that's as far as it went. I didn't uh, didn't go any further than that. I didn't have the ability, didn't have the talent. So when you see other people that are able to to advance and do different things at different levels, it it, it amazes me. So uh, it's just competition, it's sportsmanship, and uh, I love it. So anything from motorsports to to American football to Soccer, or <laughs> as you say, football. Yeah, football. Uh, football. football. I'm glad that he tried to say it the way I say it. That's great. Football. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I, I do. I, I don't know every rule to every sport by any means, yeah. and I'll never act like I do. But if there's a cricket match on, I'm going to pay attention to it. Like, I've always I've always said, like, my favorite person to commentate with has always been you because I just feel I always get so much out of it. Um, just because of your experience, and and you know uh, it rubs off on me. You know every t- every now and then you'll say a term, and I'm like, okay, I'll pick up on that term, write that down. Especially with with basketball specifically, that was such an alien sport to me coming in. Like I knew the basics of basketball, but you you know have taught me all these little terminologies because I'm not from the United States. You know I've learned all these little things that will obviously hopefully serve me well in the future. There are people out there, Aiden, that that have their that saying, "Fake it yeah. until you make it." Mm-hmm. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into it one minute because if you're faking it, then that means you're not putting forth the effort. That means you're taking the shortcut, the easy road. And I'm not a believer in that. And I think I think the majority of sports fans know when somebody's mm. just kind of faking it and yeah. getting by. And I don't think I'm doing fans a justice, and I, I certainly don't think I'm doing myself that. So I'm a, I'm a believer in put in the work and, and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, so, you know, with that, with that being said, you know, just looking at one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, Alex, is, you know, talking about how you, you love sports. Do you think it's important in life to 
to do with what you love if you have the chance to do it? Like, if there is an opportunity to do what you love, you should follow it. Yes. The short answer, yes. But I love the fact that you, you added the phrase in there, if you have the chance to do it. Not everybody is fortunate enough to, mm-hmm. to be able to do what they want to do or love to do. I understand that. And that's what makes it that much more appreciative uh, for what I'm able to do mm-hmm. because uh, I was kind of lost. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do when, when I went off to East Carolina University. I really didn't. I had no idea. Yeah, because it says here that you actually, initially you were studying to be a trauma surgeon. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing obviously a very prestigious field and there's no disrespect, but maybe you just didn't, you did just didn't have that love for it that you have for what you do now. It takes a passion and yeah. especially something of that nature because you know going into it, you're going to be in school for anywhere from 12 to 14 years. I just didn't have that kind of commitment mm-hmm. inside me. It, so, therefore, I knew it wasn't really what I wanted to yeah. do. So, uh, being a sportsaholic mm-hmm. uh, and, and that type of thing, I knew I wanted to be involved in athletics some way, somehow. I just didn't know how to get involved. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know exactly to what capacity I wanted to be involved. Um, and, obviously, things kind of fell in place. But um, – you have to you have to put forth. I'm I'm, I'm extremely fortunate, uh, and and I'm quite honestly I, I, I I'm thankful every single day that I get to do what I do. I get to travel around the the United States, Canada, Mexico, and and broadcast live sporting events, and in most cases, major sporting mm-hmm. events. So um, it's it's been it's been a heck of a ride, and I hope it doesn't end anytime soon. Uh, you work um, in with NASCAR, the motorsport uh, motor racing network, so MRN. Um, what do you see your approach to when you you are going to do a broadcast is it different when you're obviously i mean i'm I'm assuming it is but is it a different approach to when you're going on for nascar than you are say for like a college basketball game or is it fairly similar very similar and it's because of kind of kind of what we mentioned a while ago because i put in the work i think whether i'm broadcasting on the trojan sports network to 500 people or a thousand people or broadcasting the Daytona 500, the NASCAR's biggest race, to, you know, two, three million people at, at a time. It doesn't matter to me. I think everybody deserves the same amount that I can give. And so I put in the same amount of prep time. Now, now that being said, to do, for instance, a, a University of Mount Olive basketball game, you've got anywhere from 10 to 15 basketball players mm-hmm. to know a little something yeah. about uh, I try to, to research the opposing team. Hard to find a lot of things out there on yeah. them, but sometimes you come up with some good little nuggets. But So, therefore, compare that to, say, a, a NASCAR race where there's 40 different drivers, and each team, 40 teams, there's 10, 12 guys on each team to try to learn about. So, naturally, because of the, the sheer volume of it, you're going to put more time into that because there's a lot more you have to try to learn. So, um, But – the work ethic stays the same. Uh, I, I think it's extremely important to, to give the University of Mount Olive the best I can do. I, I think it's important if I just get asked to go out and do public address announcing for a high school softball game yeah. to, to put in the same type of effort. It's a conversation that came up in our previous recording with Shane Obey, and it's there's something about someone's voice, and you, you end up associating that voice with something. So, for instance, my family came over here to visit me in 2019, and when they were driving down... Uh, to visit me here they turned on the radio and it was a nascar race and it was your voice and wow. so they've associated that now with you and and for me like growing up as well like watching as you said football for me obviously soccer here i have so many childhood memories of th- like goals that were scored and i associate it with the commentator 
who commentated on that goal. I think there is a sort of power in someone's voice. It, it evokes a personality upon, like an actual, as a, you know, an amazing moment. Do you, would you agree that a person's? It's not just about like understanding the game or understanding the sport. It's also you've got to exert almost a personality on it. Absolutely, uh, I hundred percent agree with that, Aiden. Because for somebody, whether it's radio or webcast or television, yeah. it doesn't matter. The broadcaster is not the star of the show. Mm -hmm. It is the, the athlete or the athletes that are out there competing. They're the reason anybody is tuned in in any format of media to, to be able to see what's going on on the field, the court, the track, the pitch, mm -hmm. uh, whatever the case may be. Um, so that being said, it is a broadcaster responsibility to try to bring what's happening on the field or on the track to the person who's listening or viewing. Mm -hmm. And you're the one that's there. You're the bridge. The broadcaster is that bridge from the event to the viewer or listener. Yeah. So you have to be able to put it in terms that they can understand. There are difficult terms out there for difficult sports uh, that, that people aren't used to. And you have to figure out ways to, to describe things and convey things that are easier to understand. Mm -hmm. And with that, that comes personality. Uh, to your point, when I was a, a kid, I, I'm from the state of Indiana mm -hmm. in the Midwest, and I grew up listening to my little transistor radio in bed. Uh, my brother and I both would listen to the Cincinnati Reds Major League Baseball broadcast on WLW out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And Marty Brenneman, Joe Nuxall, they were the broadcasters. I, their voice resonates to me to this day from from my childhood memories because they connected me to the Cincinnati Reds and took it a step further and then began to connect me to baseball in general because mm -hmm. of all the different teams that came through and played. Um, there's a, a European broadcaster by the name of Martin Haven. Um, some people know him, some may not. Um, but he, to me, is an amazing voice that connects me to a lot of European sports, yeah. whether it's Olympic winter sports. Mm -hmm. uh, he does a lot of the sliding sports, like bobsled, mm -hmm. uh, luge, things of that nature. Uh, he also does a lot of uh, different types of motorsports. He's one of the most well-rounded broadcasters I've ever heard. And Martin Haven, to me, is that guy that is European broadcasting to me. So, yeah, I think, I think it's important to, to be able to connect with an audience, but you can't force it. No. And it's got to be genuine. It can't be fake it yeah. uh, because people are going to pick up on that. And then once you realize somebody's kind of faking it, I won't listen to you them tune anymore. Out. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that is the, the hardest part of broadcasting is telling, telling the story that you're seeing in front of you in a way that someone can connect with on the other side. Like I said, you know, obviously commentating with you over the years, you, you've given me, I said, loads of tips and you know of the trade. And I guess one of the things that I really want to ask you, and, and it could be as obscure as anything, I want you to dive into your bag as, as far as you'll go and pull out the most obscure kind of strange piece of advice that you could possibly give to someone who's wanting to get involved in this industry? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing about it is, is and it to me it's deep. It is, yeah. it is one of those deep pieces of advices, but, or advice, but when you hear it, you think, well, that's obvious, but that's just it. A lot of people don't grasp the mm. obvious because they try too hard. To me, it is be yourself. And, and you're right, I've, I've given you tips but I haven't pushed you, and I haven't said do this, 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 and this, mm -hmm. because there's only one Aiden Gilbride. 
There's only one Alex Hayden. Yep. So I can tell you how I do things mm -hmm. all day long and, and the way I phrase things. That doesn't mean that's the right way, and that doesn't mean that's Aiden Gilbride. That doesn't mean it's Joe Smith. It doesn't mean it's anybody. Yeah. Um, so the biggest piece of advice is be yourself because ultimately you're the one that's got to say anything and everything that's happening uh, as a broadcaster. So you have to put it in your own words. Yeah, and I think that kind of relates. And again, it constantly just keeps going back to this. You know, people can tell if you're faking it. Yeah. As you said, you know, you've got to be yourself and not try to be someone you're not, I guess. So, yeah, I think that uh, is an important thing. It's something that I've certainly learned because, you know, for so many years, I was it's not trying to be someone I wasn't. So I now am comfortable with the person I am. Yeah, so uh, again, I just want to talk about, um, you obviously, your, your, your big love is NASCAR. And um, I just want to ask, like, uh, from my point of view, it's such an alien sport to me. I mean, I've watched, like, F1 and stuff like that in Europe. What is so special about NASCAR to you? Like, what is, what, is it just, like, your whole life watching it and you associate it with your childhood? Like, what is it that's so special about it for you? I think there's two things. Um, I grew up in Indiana, so IndyCar racing was actually my number one love. Right. Uh, going to the Indianapolis 500 from just a, a wee lad uh, <laughs> to, to where I'm at. I still go to the Indianapolis 500 every year. Um, I'm fortunate that I happen yeah. to be off every Memorial Day weekend so I can go. But what, what really drew me to NASCAR racing was two different things. The cars back when I was a kid looked very similar to the cars that I would see my, my dad driving or yeah. my grandfather or my grandmother, whomever. And I could relate hey, there's that, there's that car. It's out there racing. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, as time goes, things change, and, and they become more customized race cars. Yeah. But the other thing I think that draws me in is the fact that um, we went to Michigan International Speedway, my family. I have an older brother, uh, my mother and my father. Um, we went up to Michigan International Speedway. I was probably seven, six, seven years old. Uh, I'm, I remember it vividly. And we had the opportunity after the race, they always opened up the, the infield so you can go down. And if there should happen to be a race car driver mm -hmm. or, or whatever still hanging around, you get the chance to talk to them, you can. Um, and the, the sport's biggest star from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and still is. Uh, his nickname is The King. His name's Richard Petty. Um, he was just standing there. And my family, we just walked up. And wow. as a kid, you know, I was like, I know who Richard Petty. I mean, that's Richard Petty standing there. And he took time and talked to my family, talked to me, asked questions. I don't remember what he asked me. I just remember I'm talking to Richard Petty. Yeah. And that connected me immediately because he was so kind. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to stand there and talk to us. No. Uh, and that made such an impression on me to be able to talk to the, the star of the sport, the biggest name in, in that sport, and then connect with the cars on the street that were racing out there as well. And from that moment on, I, I was paying attention. And, and that was, I guess, the earliest part of it. Yeah, so again, just to take a, a step away from the NASCAR, because one of the amazing things about you, Alex, and it, it does go back to this idea that you are a sportsaholic, and it is, you know, like just before the recording, you're talking to our producer, Ryan, here, about what games you're doing here. You just can't seem to stop, really. You're always looking for when's the next broadcast, when's the next time I can come and help. Because you, as you said, you travel all over the uh, all over the country constantly, but yet you still find time to come back and commentate in a little tiny rural D two school in eastern North Carolina. What is it about Mount Olive that you've you've loved working uh, here so much, and why do you keep coming back to it? 
Oh, gosh, there's a bunch of reasons. I, I think number one is because the, the atmosphere that's created here from the faculty, from administration, and, and to all the athletes and general students here, everybody's so welcoming. And I think even though, as you, as you phrased it, little Mount Olive, yeah. University of Mount Olive, it, they deserve to have the same type of deal, if at all possible, as, as say, a Duke University or an Ohio State. Obviously, it's a different scale, um, but they deserve to have the same amount of enthusiasm, uh, the same amount of professionalism, the same amount of everything. Um, it, I think that's one of the things I love about coming here. There's, there's another part of it is, is they asked. You know, sometimes the most basic thing in the world uh, mm -hmm. is somebody asking you to do something if you're willing to. Well, heck, that goes a long way with me because – Basic manners is huge for yeah. me, just, you know, away from the professional side of it. Um, obviously, it transcends into the professional side of it, but I was asked to do it, mm -hmm. uh, and I thought that was great. So why, why wouldn't I? The, the big thing, too, that – and there's a lot of people that will just kind of shake their heads at me because I've said it before, and that's why I don't really say it publicly too many <laughs> times. Uh, but I'll, I'll share it, is I'm, I'm only as good as my last broadcast – that's quite powerful. For, for better or for worse, yeah. um, I strive to, to be perfect. I know I'll never get there, but my last broadcast wasn't very good in my eyes. Mm -hmm. So I know I got another one. What's yeah. next? So that, that's the big question to me. What's next? When can I put a headset on again? Because I got to do better than what I did last time. And that last broadcast, I had to do better than the one before mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I'm going to be successful in doing that. I may have an awful one next week or, you know, in the next two weeks. It uh, doesn't matter, but I want to be better than what I was last time. Yeah, because that's actually quite interesting that I probably share that kind of thought process with you. I'm I'm, I'm my own biggest critic. Sure. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm sitting with Ryan right here. You know, he knows, like, whenever he gives me a compliment, I take the compliment, but I'm so focused on the thing that i done that was wrong that I don't really think about the compliment. I go, well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment, but I did that wrong. I need to fix that. Um, and I guess it comes from the fact that my mantra over the last few years has just been, I'm better than this. Every day I try to be better than I was the day before. And I know that perfection is impossible, but I, I am such a bit of, of a perfectionist that I'm always focusing on where I can improve. Sure. And I think that is why I've... I've enjoyed doing the broadcasting so much and, and you know, working with the communications because it, it does give me something to strive towards. And so it was interesting just seeing that I have that similar trait to you. I, d I didn't really think you would say anything like because sometimes people tell me that's my worst trait, that I'm a bit of a perfectionist. But I don't think I don't think it's a bad trait no. to have. It, it, that means you care, and, and that's all that matters, and nobody can take that away from you. You, you know, you got to move forward. Mm -hmm. You had hip surgery. A lot of people would have said, okay, that's enough. I'm not going to compete anymore. That wasn't enough for you. Um, you wanted to come back. You wanted to be better than what you were before. So you got back after it. You went through the difficult physical therapy. You went through the pain and, and everything that came along with it to get back out there and compete again. Um, you know, there, there, there's little metaphors. I mean, we've all heard there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Well, it's because you got to move forward. Mm -hmm. Don't worry so much. Yeah, it's important to see what's behind you. Yeah. But move forward. That's why it's much bigger. Yeah. Look at your feet. Your feet are pointing forward. The majority of your feet are going forward. Mm -hmm. It's easier to walk forward than it is to go backwards. 
So I, I kind of translate it the same way. I, I want to keep getting better, mm-hmm. um, just like you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the people who criticize and say that's a, that's a bad thing, it's fine. Let them have their opinion. But that's who you are. Yeah. That's who I am. That's who people like us are. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, we want to do better. I think it's also due to the fact that I'm quite stubborn in nature. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm set in my ways. And uh, Ryan nodding his head at me down my yeah. peripheral vision. You know, just a while ago, <laughs> he was doing the, your head's getting big now. <laughs> and I appreciate it. But, it, no, it, see, I don't look at it that way. Yeah. I look at it as, as the kind things you were saying a while ago is because I've done something correctly. Mm-hmm. I've done something right somewhere that at least – it, it's making an impression yeah. on somebody. Um, so I don't look at it as, as an ego thing. Yeah. I look at it as like, okay, whew, I, I did something right. Because the bottom line is uh, my father passed away 11 years ago. My, my father and my mother, they just wanted me t- to do well, yeah. just be a good person. So if I can, if I can do well and just be a good person, uh, that, that's all that matters to me. It's not a matter of, I need I need that validation. I need that because, like I said, it's it's not going to resonate with me because I can be better tomorrow. Yeah. So again, just a segment on because I just I've, I I kind of I looked at at least as as much as I could in your career, um, over the last you know, how many years? But one <laughs> of the I, I one of the things, and I remember I was doing my note taking um when I was in Ryan's office when I was preparing for this, and I said, I might have met Ryan before. So I know met Alex before, and he went, "What do you mean?" And I went, "I think I may have met him before I came here." Um, I, when I was very young, went to Universal Studios, and I definitely went on the Jaws ride. No kidding. So, and 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 as soon as I read that you'd been on the jo- uh, you'd been one of the guys at the front of the boat in the Jaws ride, your voice, everyone just made sense. I was like, I can absolutely see Alex doing that. It makes complete sense to me. I didn't know that you'd worked in Universal and stuff, and. You know, it was just really weird that I was like, I wonder if I ever saw him there. I, I went, and then obviously, how many years later, I ended up doing broadcasts with you. So, it's it's interesting. I um, I was in my home just just yesterday. This is a true story. Um, moving some things around. I was going through this box. And it's like you know, I I got to declutter some, yeah. so I'm getting rid of things. And I open up this box, and I'm looking, I'm looking. It's like, okay, that's cool. Let's I'm get rid of that. And it, I found my Universal Studios folder oh, wow. that had the script. And I still have, I have the Jaws script for the boat ride uh, and all the things that came along with it. You know, you had to take a test. You, know, you audition, you get the mm. part, but then you have to take a test um, in case a, a guest in the park asks you a question about something. Mm. You have to be able to answer those. So, yeah, it was neat. And it's, uh, I, I actually I found can, that. I can totally hear your voice on that ride. And it was just so funny when I, when I read it. I was like... No way. I was like, that's and and I still know most of the script. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And, and y- there are marks you have to hit as an yeah. actress. You have to be at this specific part of the boat yeah. when this effect takes place. And it's all timing. Mm-hmm. You have to know when things happen. And so I can I can set up in a, in a little space and say, this is where I need to be. And then move over to this side and go back and forth. Those types of things, just, yeah. they just stick with you. Because what it looks like to you is, um, at least I hope, this is me just, it's just an assumption thing based on what I was, obviously, when I'm doing my research on you. It looks like every opportunity you got, you took it. Like, it was almost like a kind of yes situation. Like, I need to try and meet more people. And obviously, it ended up leading to you be able to work in NASCAR and stuff. Um, and obviously, you clearly networked a lot because, you know, I just look at some of the, the areas that you've worked in. You've worked with Nike Tennis, P- uh, PGA Golf more recently, and obviously with NASCAR. 
Uh, by the way, my dad was incredibly jealous about the PGA golf thing. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, I told, I told my dad he was at the PGA tour the other day, and my dad was like, oh, "Yeah, yeah." I, uh, I was very fortunate on that. That was the Arnold Palmer Invitational yeah. PGA event. Oh. Uh, I was at Augusta this past week and went uh, to the Masters practice round Monday. Yeah, my dad's dream is to go to Augusta. It's my dad's favorite sport, so he's like, mine too. He's coming down. He's coming uh, obviously for my graduation, and he was like, "We're well, we're going down to Georgia." And my mum doesn't understand why he wants to go and see a golf course. <laughs> and my dad's like, it's Augusta. But it's, I think I just know my dad well. And like he was so jealous when it, when, when I told him that you were at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. <laughs> and, and yeah, again, it just it looks like you have just taken every opportunity that's been thrown at you. And obviously, you know, it goes from you working in Universal to now you're working with NASCAR. And, you know, like I said, your voice from my family is now synonymous with NASCAR, which is crazy because we're not even from here. And again, I just want to ask one last thing, and it is—it's more. I have you on Instagram, Alex, and you just seem like you're in a different location every week. <laughs> um, it's incredible, and I—I I guess I'm wondering—is that a positive thing for the trade, or is it a negative for you? Do you love getting to travel, or is it sometimes a negative? That's a great question. Um, much like PGA Tour, yeah, NASCAR. Our schedule, we go from February through November. Yeah. Um, we don't have home games. Think about your favorite football team. Uh, think about uh, an American basketball team, whether it's college, professional, high school, doesn't matter. Uh, half of your season is played at home um, with racing, just like the PGA Tour or, or the professional tennis. There are no home games. So, yeah, y- you travel a lot. So is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> I think it's more positive than it is yeah. negative. Now, that being said, you have to understand that it is a grind. Of it course. is a schedule. And there are going to be sacrifices. I'm 51 years old, uh, never been married, don't have any children. I have zero regrets about that. It doesn't mean I won't get married. Uh, I'm getting pushed pretty hard about it right now, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But, <laughs> but uh, hey, I've made it 51 years. No need to ruin the record, right? Um, so it, it – <sighs> I knew I wasn't going to to be a dad because that wouldn't be fair to a child or to a wife to be gone three to four Mm. days a week for 35, 38 weeks out of the year. Mm. Um, So I just didn't see that as – I saw that as extremely selfish to to do my career with what it entails to to do something like that. So the negative is is you don't get to – I shouldn't say you don't. You could do all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me – Strictly my point of view is is the negative side is is I've chosen to not do the father thing um, just just because uh, I love what I do. I don't want to stop. I, I, I look forward to continuing on and I want to continue doing what I'm doing. So that means you have to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of times in airports and on airplanes <laughs> and hotels and rental cars and restaurants and so on and so forth. Um, but that is the life that I've chosen, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have it any other way because yeah. somebody else is paying for me to go on vacation every single week. Uh, <laughs> sure, you got to work a little bit, but and I shouldn't give out the secret because it sounds terrible, but figure we race two different races on a weekend. Each race might be three to four hours apiece. Mm-hmm. So throw in three, four hours of prep work midweek, plus another eight hours on the week, and I work 12 hours a week, and somebody else is paying me to travel. Why would, I, why would that be a bad thing? Yeah, no, because so. my, my, I think that's the thing that draws me to the industry so much is like I'm, I'm someone that's very not seen – I've not seen enough of the world, 
and I I very much want to see a lot of the world. I'm someone that wants to travel, um, and you know my my dad is very happy that I've chosen a life where I get to see the world because my dad always says I've not seen enough of it. Um, and my dad's close in age uh, with, with you, Alex. So I mean, my dad regrets not taking opportunities when he was younger, and he's always the one telling me, "If you want to do this, understand the negatives attached." But he said, "Think of all the positives that you're going to get from that." Um, and you know, I certainly hope that I get the chance to travel and and do even one percent of what you've been able to do. Well, Alex. it's kind of a, your your father's a wise man for sure. I, I, Everyone I, says he's that. right. <laughs> do, uh, it, you have traveled. But I, un- I understand your point, though. You want to travel more. You want to see more. All it can do is, is make you a better person yeah. because you get to see different cultures and different ways of, of life and different perspectives of life. Um, believe me, living and being based out of eastern North Carolina is one way, but <laughs> out in Los Angeles, California, it's a completely different way of life. And in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, it's totally different than it is anywhere else. Uh, I've never been to I've never been to Europe, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Yet, <laughs> I, I, I will. Uh, St Andrews is on my list. Oh. Uh, obviously, the Open Championship is there this year. Tiger's already said he's playing, so yep. I got to figure out a way to get over there. Oh, uh, but it, but at some point, I just I, I do. I want I want to go to Scotland. I want to go. I don't have a, a big list of countries yeah. I want to go to. I want to go to Switzerland. I, I'd like to go to Norway yeah. uh, and, and countries like that. But um, I encourage it. Yeah. If if you can be fortunate enough to put yourself in position to love what you do and to be able to have the, the perks of being able to travel, mm-hmm. whether it's for work or be fortunate enough to be able to do it on your own, yeah. I highly encourage it oh, because yeah. it, it all it can do is make you a better person. Yeah, and I think just to guess finish off, what you were saying was powerful in the sense of, um, you know, it does broaden your mind a little bit. So, you know, I'm from a very specific part of Scotland we have a very narrow-minded way of looking at things. When you go to a different culture, your mind is broadened to different things. You go, okay, this is how people do things. Especially in my time out here, I've, I'm not as narrow-minded as I used to be because I've, I've opened myself up to. Oh, there's different people that you know. I live with it. I live with someone from Italy. You know, I've got two other. I've got an American roommate and a Cuban roommate. So we, there's loads of different cultures in there, and I think that's the best part of my experience here. The fact that I've been able to meet people from all over the world, and that's what is drawing me to want to travel. I want to see more of this. Um, so, listen, Alex, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been so ins- insightful, and uh, again, thank you for all, uh, everything over the years. And uh, good luck to uh, to you in the future. I appreciate you, Aiden. Thank you for having me on. And I'll say it one more time publicly. I'll tell you again personally, but publicly, I'm so doggone proud of you. I can't 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 stand it. I'm I'm beaming with pride. I'm proud of you, and I, I know nothing but greatness is coming your way. So, all the best to you and your family, and thanks for having me. Thank you. This has been the lowdown from Pickletown. Would just like to give special thanks to the University of Mount Olive's music department. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.